0: The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Hey, folks, greetings and welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain. And with me today, we have a special guest, Joe Allen Bowen. Welcome, Joe. How are you?
1: Hi, Paul. I am great. I'm really good to be here. Thank you.
0: Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's good to have you joining the New Zealand Tech podcast um, on the other side today because often often you're, uh, you're in the room but doing the producing. But today we have the privilege of uh, having you join as a guest. So always great to have uh, part of our team on the podcast. And of course, we would like to thank uh, show partners that make NZ Tech podcast what it is. So a big thank you to Gorilla Technology, HP, Vocus, Spark, and Vodafone. So should we jump in? Uh, Weta FX, who, um, well, they're no longer sort of a, a such a New Zealand company. And um, do you want to fill us in on what's going on with, uh, with Weta FX now?
1: Yeah, well, Weta FX, as some people might know, they were actually uh, bought by Unity last year at the end of... Last year, and they've just announced the new studio opening up in Vancouver, in Canada. So even though they do have executive offices in LA, so it's actually the first um, studio from Weta to be offshore.
0: Yeah, i kind of. I guess we, we expect you know there to be changes with WetaFX being uh, you know no no longer um, you know just purely a New Zealand uh, New Zealand business. The unknown really is how that looks over the long term, isn't it? Like, you know, do we do we see there being a lot more that's done offshore, um, or is it, um, you know, is it just going to be sort of smaller pockets? Um, and yeah, that's 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 probably something that we won't really know the full full story of, um, you know, for some time.
1: Yeah. Well, they're starting off with a. Um a handful of artists and they're going to be working on the different movies coming up, including the Avatar sequences. So that's actually sequels, I should say. That's been in the works for quite a few years. But to me, it makes sense uh, and it's following a pattern that most larger studio effects houses do, and that is to have uh, these offices or these studios in different parts of the world, especially, I think, in today's you know environment where it's not necessarily the easiest thing to get into different countries. So having that North American presence, I think makes sense.
0: Good good. Well I mean you've uh, you've spent quite a large chunk of your career uh, working in that sort of broader world uh, so uh, definitely good to have your uh, uh, your insights. Um, now talking a little bit about uh, wearables back in the in the media um and and look you know the, the i guess our wearables have been with us now for for you know quite a few years in, in varying forms some brands have have uh, come and come and gone the likes of uh, pebble and even uh, microsoft with uh, with their uh wearables but what what we are seeing is this sort of you know continued uh trend for there to be uh, more sensors or more sort of capabilities from a health perspective yeah. uh, coming through in these wearables and and you know some of the wearables are, are things you can you know buy online or almost have them in your cereal box i think there was um uh, one of the one of the brands that you could um you know send something in and basically get a a, a free wearable um but uh, stuff this week we we're, were raising the question can we trust uh, wearables to watch our hearts this is this uh transition we we're on from you know medical professionals and and high grade medical equipment um being a, you know a very essential part of um measuring uh, our health if we have particular types of issues but we're on this transition uh it seems to wearables kind of you know taking over um a chunk of that and and probably um artificial intelligence so what's your what's your view on this should do you do you think it is a sort of an an inevitable um transition or uh, do we need to be do we need to be cautious about trusting our consumer technology to to carry out some pretty important functions
1: I, I personally would be cautious uh, when it comes to the heart, especially that's quite an important organ for one to make sure that um, it's being monitored and that the data that we're reading is not only reliable, that but that we also understand what it is that uh, our watches or our wearables are telling us about our heart.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Look, I mean, I find this is a, is a fascinating area because I, you know, I'm very much of the, the opinion that these newer technologies that you know some of which ultimately become very very you know low cost will allow us to do things that just you know weren't even possible in, in years gone by and from a health perspective um, you know this is going to be part of of a future where um, you know we really do rely on on these technologies and we can at, at some point in time uh, you know put aside um, some of them maybe more you know, traditional mechanisms for um, you know, for yeah. measuring how we' how we're how we're doing, um, shall we say. So um, but yeah, it, it does seem as though um, we do need to be a little bit little bit cautious at this point in in time with the sensors, with the technologies. Um, but I think that ability to continuously collect data and then to, uh, you know, alert us if we have an issue. And we did have that with one of our team members, um, you know, where his Apple Watch alerted him to, a um, you know, a very low pulse at one stage. And, um, you know, it turned out, yeah, it turned out he was very, very sick. And this was able to um, alert him and help him, um, you know, get, Urgent medical attention. So fantastic. Uh, yeah. So there's definitely some, you know, some good, uh, good benefits. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. I, I'd
1: agree with that. There are benefits to it, but I don't know. If, you know, well, I think there's still a, a distance before we uh, do away with um, maybe other medical opinions. Yeah, I don't,
0: and, I mean, I'm not suggesting that. With, it's you know, definitely
1: just going to get more sensitive as far as the the readings that they get and what they can alert us to as well. So that that's fantastic that it was able to help help them
0: absolutely uh now on to um a big tech outage and we don't talk about these things sort of so often these days um partly because you know a there was a time when there were just so many of them um and so you know it was just overkill to talk about all of them but there's not so there's not so many major uh tech outages and uh, or tech yeah technology sort of service interruptions and so on with our software as a service things that we rely on and Mm. even the ones that do happen uh, often they aren't you know as widespread as what we would have seen going back uh, five or ten years so there's a lot of learning as issues happen but Atlassian which is a big sort of hundred billion dollar Australian company have have been struggling a little bit shall we say because they uh, or their engineers ran a script uh, that was aiming to delete some old legacy uh, data as part of a a scheduled maintenance program. And in effect, what happened was they actually took out uh, some of their genuine current data for some of their uh, customers. And so those that were relying on their um, JIRA, um, some of the JIRA Tools that they offer, um, GRO work management, GRO service management, and so on. Uh, they ended up deleting this critical data, so they seem to be on a journey to uh, recover that for what sounds like about 400 impacted customers. Mm. But they have said that it's an unacceptable situation. So, you know, I guess if we're put out there that question of should we be relying on software as a service, uh, or not? I I guess my, my feeling is well there's no stopping that stopping uh, the direction that everything's going we are moving to the cloud and you know ultimately uh, most software that we run will be uh, will be software as a service to uh, to, to one degree or another and uh, it just needs to get better and better and we need to look out for those vendors who um, maybe, Aren't as onto it as others, and uh, and make the calls accordingly. But I, you know, although you can still run uh, Jira on a, a server within your organization's premises, uh, those those days are numbered, and it, and that's the case with um, you know more and more software where it's you know either no longer available to run locally, or it doesn't make so much uh, so much sense what's your what's your feeling there joellen
1: it is definitely going in that that way that it's it's cloud-based it's it's um service that we no longer have locally so it's it's open to these types of things happening and as you say just hopefully that these these businesses will be getting a few better processes so that type of thing isn't going to happen that one person has that power or control of of running a, a script and and that type of thing so we Just hopefully that they are learning from these things. All the different companies are learning of, of how to uh, make these types of things uh, less in the future.
0: Yeah, and, and look, there's one really important piece to this is when you are relying on somebody else, do you have a business continuity process? So, you know, can you still operate if they go exactly. down? Have you got a backup of that, Back that that data yourself so that you, you know your whole business doesn't grind to a halt. I mean, just imagine a slightly worse scenario. i um, not saying that this would necessarily be uh, possible for Atlassian, but imagine you're one of those 400 impacted uh, customers and they told you, sorry, we can't get your data back, right? And you had actually very, very critical uh, information sitting in there in relation to your current Work and so on, you would uh, probably be in in a lot of pain. So, yeah, it is one of those things that I have noticed is that you know with some cloud services, it is quite possible to do your own do your own backups or to use a backup service and have that da- data stored uh, somewhere else. With other ones, that's uh, that's really an easier said than done. But you know, said than done, yeah, an important, uh, an important consideration.
1: Yeah, cuz just looking at that 11 days. Um that's a long time to be without some of the, you know, data and, and the different things that you rely on. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, imagine turning off your business for uh for 11 days that uh a lot of businesses would be would be gone after 11 days. So, yeah, depending on what your services are and what you provide, uh that's uh I mean that, that is that is a pretty extreme outage, so not a not a good position to be in, shall we say? So. No. Now we we I think we spoke last week probably around um, Elon Musk buying uh, buying into Twitter Now there was a nine point two percent stake at that point in time. Uh, he seemed to have somewhat sort of flouted the rules and the laws around his disclosure of acquiring those shares, which. Uh, enriched him uh, to a tune of well over a hundred hundred million uh US dollars I think it was a hundred and uh, hundred and fifty six million they think that uh, uh, that hes that he saved by uh, not disclosing that and uh well I guess over the last few days things have uh, things have changed reasonably quickly uh first of all yeah uh, there is now a class action uh, lawsuit uh, where those uh, yeah there are there are folks that aren't aren't very happy and probably they've been they've been impacted uh, negatively uh, maybe in the opposite direction to what uh, uh, Musk has uh, but also um, his role on the board of Twitter it appears that's uh, that's no longer going to that's be, no longer uh, going
1: ahead yeah yeah so um, he he does seem to be a bit of a, a... <laughs> he gets in the news for some interesting things, I must say. So, yeah, from having uh, no longer being on the board as to he was going to be on the board or it was mentioned and now that's been uh, taken back and now, yeah, the the lawsuit that he's he's potentially looking at, one way or another he he seems to be, uh, he, he seems to...
0: Attract attention.
1: That's the word I'm trying to it's think sometimes of, the, of, of, the wrong, of the wrong <laughs>
0: sort, so yeah, yeah. Um, look, I mean, it, it's been incredible actually watching uh some of the footage from the new Tesla uh factory in uh in Berlin, Berlin yeah. and also in Texas, so those two openings. Um, so look, you know, me, meanwhile, um, there's exciting stuff happening and. Then of course there's this Axiom Mission One, which is the first private um, crew launch from the U.S. at least, anyway, to um, to the International Space Station. I think probably from uh, Russia. There have been, I think maybe we've seen individuals that have um, got to the they International up, yeah. Space Station, but uh, you know this is a uh, you know a full SpaceX launch that has taken place and taken this paid uh, private crew. Uh, up to the ISS, the International uh, Space Station. This kind of marks a, you know, uh, I mean, this whole, you know, last few months, we've we've really been transitioning from where uh, private space flight was just, you know, it wasn't really really a thing. There were um, a very very small number of people that had um, had done it. Uh, not that it's it's big numbers now, but uh, we're starting to see that competition yeah. and we're really, you know, really starting to see a, a whole range of, of different sort of space tourism activities, aren't we? But between, yeah. uh, you know, the varying um, providers, be that uh, what uh, Virgin are doing. Uh, what SpaceX are doing, and of course, what um, Jeff Bezos' company has doing as well. So, um, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty interesting, uh, interesting in times.
1: Yeah, I mean, for for myself, growing up, you know, it was all about the astronauts uh, reaching for those stars, and then for this opening up, as you say, of the of the private sector, who now can go to the stars, go to the ISS, um, and do these different things. It's pretty amazing. Um, and it's just really going to be interesting to see where it leads as well. So now that we do have this all private crew who have, who are currently on the ISS and and doing different uh, research there, um, what what are we going to be in for in the next you know two or three years? Where, where will this head?
0: Yeah, or or looking out a bit further, sort of you know ten ten to ten to twenty years. So yeah, yeah quite fascinating. Moon mission, Inter- Mars mission. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, interesting with um with. Uh, blue origin that's Jeff Bezos company. Uh, you know, he's been up, you know, just onto the onto the edge of space there. And um uh, and so has uh, Richard Richard Branson, right? But yes. um Elon so far has been keeping his feet <laughs> on the ground and I think there's you know there's some wisdom to To that, and that he doesn't need to go, and although some you know some might say, well, you should go to you know prove prove that you know you think your technology's safe but I think that's been that's been pretty well proven, and where the other sort of you know billionaires are uh, uh maybe a little bit in the in the firing line is that it's you know a billionaire's game and and then highlighting the um the negative uh, aspects on um, on the environment of um, uh, you know of traveling into space. So whereas yeah he's he's not necessarily taking quite the same approach. Um, but we'll we'll see longer term whether he does uh, whether he gets himself into uh, into more strife. Uh, at, <laughs> at, at this stage I think uh, you know Elon is is certainly um, there's a risk factor associated with him. Um, but in in general, I think when you look at the, certainly look at the Tesla uh, stock price and so on, uh, there, there's there's a lot more probably on the upside in terms of what investors uh, believe that uh, that that Elon brings to the table. And you know, I'd imagine looking back over the things that he's done over the last uh, two decades, uh, it's going to be you know a pretty exciting time ahead in terms of uh, you know how he utilizes uh, technology for uh, you know pretty interesting things in the um, in the future uh, which is is pretty uh, pretty cool. Um, I will also mention uh, on the NZT podcast going back it was probably about a month ago. Um, I gave a, a mention to it looked as though the uh, the prices would be uh, would be rising on the uh, Tesla's here in New Zealand the model 3. Uh, Model 3, yeah. we were seeing the price here. When I did a quick calculation, we were maybe about $10,000 under the U.S. Uh, price. Now, uh, partly that could re- relate to uh, – Different markets, and to with the Chinese manufacturing, Tesla uh, choosing to keep their prices a little bit lower. It used to be more in the other direction, where there was maybe a, a fifteen, a, say a ten thousand dollar New Zealand uh, price difference uh, in the other direction. So you'd pay about ten thousand or so more in New Zealand dollars for uh, Tesla Model Three at the time they came out. Um, we've seen some variations, in now. New Zealand dollar and so on over that last um, last you know two three years, but yeah, just after that was I mentioned that I thought the prices would be going up. Uh, I think we saw the prices cut possibly the next uh, the next day, or very, you know very very soon um, thereafter, or it might have even been on this on the same day. So. Um, yeah, just interesting to see these things. Uh, these things move. I think there is an expectation that the price of electric vehicles sort of should come down with with battery innovations and and so on. Pretty challenging and pretty expensive in terms of uh, making the batteries. And at the moment, there's such a boom going on with electric vehicles uh, that we may well see uh, you know that upwards price pressure for a little while longer before we see any uh, any further sort of major. Uh, major drops in the um, electric vehicle uh, pricing, although we're slowly getting a a broader range available here uh, in New Zealand.
1: Yeah, it's good to see that range expanding um, just as far as the different people who are able to enter into owning an electric vehicle and going forward. So I'm hoping that's just something that will continue to grow. Um, I think this is the best time to look into getting an electric uh, vehicle if you haven't got one already and to make that transition.
0: Yep, yep. Uh definitely. Um it's it, it's got there's a there's a lot to like about it. Um mm. all right, now we had um the other thing we wanted to delve into and and of course um yeah you know, a lot of these international stories definitely have a have a New Zealand uh pers- perspective on them, but uh FIFA FIFA Plus. Uh so we've had this announcement from um in, in regards to soccer or football depending on where you're from and where, where you're from, uh, and, yep. and what, what you what you want to call it but, uh, yeah it seems as though FIFA are really moving ahead they've refreshed uh, their app which is available on on mobile to really uh, focus in on streaming so they've had a mobile app for you know for a number of years now you know with a bit of content uh, available through it but now they're they're turning it into what's um, I've heard ref- or seen referred to as uh, uh, the Netflix of, uh, of, of football. And their, their ultimate goal uh, that they've disclosed so far is that they want to get up to streaming 40,000 games of soccer uh, per year. Uh, which is just uh, is quite astounding that there would be that many games. That
1: many, that's uh, what I'm thinking. That are, that
0: are actually available. So obviously, you know, different parts of the world, uh, and and you know, possibly not, you know, quite likely, not all commentated directly uh, in English, of course. Uh, and then you've also got the, the women's
1: the women's as well as the men, so that would also be a part of it as Absolutely,
0: well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there's gonna be a lot a lot more variety. Um, but it, it it does, you know, raise the question of well well what does, you know, what does that mean uh for broadcasters and yeah, how will that play play out in markets like New Zealand? Now initially what, what they're talking about is a free service that uh, you know isn't isn't uh, I guess something that we would consider as uh, you know competing with how we watch uh, football today um, but you can imagine as that grows they could quite likely move into a uh, a fully paid uh, service that displaces the traditional broadcast, uh, uh, mechanisms and uh, you know local streaming services that we've seen uh, seen in the past. So um, yeah, I think this is, it's going to be fascinating to follow. It does seem to be that there is really a trend for uh, major sports to continue adjusting their business models. Uh, when it comes to streaming and uh, and broadcast, and for sports to want to take more control, and uh, you know, I think to a degree this is is quite natural. You know, I don't know how you think about it, Joe Allen, but the, the the thought that uh, the body behind a particular you know sporting code would be able to deliver something that would be better and more engaging for their their fans, you know, maybe make make some sense. And uh, you know, I can't think of Anyone else that would be interested probably in in uh, forty thousand live games and, and there's a whole lot of other content, of course. So right now, if you uh, if you go to the fifa.com website and go to uh, their fifa plus page, there is already immediately a whole lot of ad supported uh, content, films. It's not all in English, um, but subtitled. Uh, you know, I think it's just pretty fantastic, actually. Um, but there's a downside there's probably the more sport that goes in this direction uh, certainly for those that follow a lot of sports it could start getting pretty pricey. How do you feel about it
1: yeah so I mean for somebody who is a, is a sports sports fanatic, so um, my mum was a sports fanatic, and so every you know Saturday Sunday that's all that would be on the television growing up and then to see this kind of splintering of those different sports and yes I can see the positive in the fact that they are um you know it's it's geared towards the, the people that are interested in their sport um, and each one can be unique from that point of view and have control so, so it could get costly if you are into you know your rugby union, um, your rugby league, your, your FIFA and cricket and all these different things as, as a sports fanatic so I think you'd probably be choosing um, the season in which you might be going from one to another.
0: Yeah. Um, I think a few years of change ahead as this sort of yeah. stuff settles settles in, and we've already, you know, seen some people, you know, uncomfortable with uh you know things like rugby world cup moving to streaming. But look, this is this is inevitable. Uh we're we're not going we're not certainly not going back probably to the uh all the free sport that we used to get on uh uh you know free to air TV uh you know these things are are becoming more and more professional and you know it allows it allows there to be a you know a really a great big industry um and a lot of people earning a living through uh through these sports but there will be some downside some downsides to it um and exactly how that kind of lands i guess we will uh, we'll, we'll find have, a, out. have a better picture of in you know maybe another another you know five years or so but you know in the meantime they uh they obviously have you know existing arrangements in place that they they can't uh, you know FIFA can't necessarily mess with so things are, are, are set where they've already done licensing deals but yeah I'm not I'm not sure whether the final outcome is uh is quite so good for um consumers but it, that's really going to depend on how deep you want to get into a particular sport and how deeply interested yeah. you are um because yeah there'll be there'll be more content than than less probably all right uh now the last up now there was a, an article uh thegamer.com around um scientists applying facial recognition type techniques to Skyrim. Uh, skeletons walk us through this one joellen
1: i think this is a geek doing geeky things in a geeky way um so skyrim which is a, a a game um which is quite a large game over the world um and one of the scientists that enjoys this game they are a part of facial reconstruction mostly to do with uh prehistoric man so where they're looking at skulls uh using facial reconstruction for this and they actually applied it to the skeletons from this game, the CG models, and have come have come up with what this uh, this race would look like. Um, I forget what the name of it is, but it's it's pretty amazing that they, the the techn- technology is there, and also the way that people would use it um, is fantastic from a geek's point of view, anyway
0: yeah no. it looks looks really interesting and yeah there's uh i saw in um yeah in and the coverage the results of of this work so this was uh, i think coming from um the person who you know designed them um, or, originally that yeah he was really impressed with the reconstruction he said he wanted them to look thuggish thick jawed thick browed and sort of Neanderthal-like, and uh, yeah, that was kind of the uh, uh, the result of these uh, these reconstructions. So uh, yeah, it's kind kind of interesting to uh, uh, to see see those results, and uh, yeah, what you can do by you know throwing a bit of technology and some algorithms uh, around and uh yeah you get some uh, get some get some fun fun stuff they look uh probably a, a little bit friendlier uh with skin yes. on shall we say <laughs> uh with that facial reconstruction done uh than uh, skeletal selves so uh yeah it's kind of cool that's cool. Um, oh, one other thing that we were going to mention, and this is a video that folks will be able to find online if you uh, if you go uh, digging. But I, I saw it earlier on in the week, and it was um, police in San Francisco uh, pulling over a uh, autonomous vehicle. So. Uh, this was one of the uh, cruise vehicles, and cruise is the uh, the driverless um, sort of taxi, robo taxi service uh, from uh, G- GM, uh, General General Motors. And uh, so, yeah, it's kind of fun watching this footage as the police go to to pull it over, which they they were somewhat successful at. So it must be one of the one of the things that the uh, cruise vehicles are programmed to do is um you know respond when a police car uh flashes their lights behind you and so on and uh so it, it pulled pulled over to the side of the road uh the police didn't get much joy uh cuz there was no driver to uh, talk with, and they couldn't get into the vehicle to uh, to do anything. the The issue was that it was uh, driving around at night without its lights on, which seems seems a bit odd. That's the sort of thing that people do. Um, you would not expect a um, you know autonomous vehicle to forget to turn its lights on. So uh, a little a little bit of a head scratching uh, issue there. But as we know, uh, with with software or uh, or technology, it's only as as good as how it's being programmed um, or the algorithms uh, they're in.
1: I think that kind of brings up a, an interesting thing of what was the algorithm, what algorithms is it using for, for driving? So whether it doesn't necessarily need to have the lights on for it to get around the um, the city. But of course that can put uh, other drivers, that's not a great great thing for other drivers to see this car going along without any lights on. So... Yeah. yeah,
0: great point. Yeah, probably can drive just fine without uh uh li- lights on depending on the sensors because I think they rely on a lidar. Um yeah. so the lidar would would get a result regardless of whether the uh lights are on, but yeah, you that still should be you know following the law and it's exactly. uh, so on, but we we're, we're going to have an interesting few years ahead I I think as we see more you know of this uh, robo taxi um you know, uh, things evolving Mm. in different parts of the world. And, you know, part of uh, Elon Musk's announcement with the opening of their Gigafactory Texas uh, was that it would be a new Tesla coming uh, that's designed to be a robo-taxi. And uh, so, you know, therefore, you know, specifically designed around that, and you know, I presume you know non-steering wheel, etc., because it, you 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 are purely a passenger. So yeah, kind of uh, kind of interesting just to see these these little oddities come up. And uh, yeah, if you get on on uh, on YouTube and so on, there uh, um, yeah definitely a, a few uh, interesting uh, and amusing things that can happen with uh, you know the current uh, driverless or autonomous uh, vehicles. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of New Zealand Tech Podcast for uh, this week. So um, thanks, everybody, for uh, for joining us. You can, of course, find us uh, online, nztechpodcast.com. Uh, and if you follow us on the varying sort of social channels, you will find uh, most weeks uh, that we do also stream video live on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, we're recording a bit later on in, uh, in, in the week ahead of uh, Easter uh, this week. Uh, but if you do uh, want to follow us, then uh, yeah, you will find uh, streaming streaming video uh, LinkedIn is, is you know possibly most um, our most popular uh, channel. So feel free certainly to follow me and NZ Tech Podcast on there, uh, but also across on uh, YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. And of course, um, a special thanks to our show partners. Uh, that is Guerrilla Technology. HP, Vocus, Spark, and Vodafone. Uh, Joe Allen, thank you very much for joining us. That was uh, that was really fun. Great to uh, chat through and uh, discuss some of the um, some of the uh, interesting things in the world of tech this week.
1: No, it's been great. Thank you, Paul. And I just want to say thanks to everyone. And uh, I hope you have a safe and happy Easter. Uh, stay safe on the roads. Whether you're in a driverless one or not, <laughs>
0: not too many of those going on in, in New Zealand. Zealand. Not yet. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully, but I uh, guess it. Uh, uh, there's always people willing willing to experiment, uh, maybe more than they should, with such technologies. Um, very good. All right. Uh, thanks, Joellen, and thanks, everyone. Catch you next week. See ya. Bye. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.